Queen's Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queen's Lead Podcast. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today, I'm very honored to be joined by Erin Engelke. She is uh, the Executive Director of Calm Waters, which is a grief counseling center here in Oklahoma City, and they are doing some amazing work. She is also a mom. She is also um, a pageant queen and a speaker and all kinds of other things. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Super fun to be on with you. I think you're my very first literal queen, like pageant queen that's been on. So like, where's you know, the crown? I, well, here's what's funny is I literally thought about bringing my crown to the office today. And then oh my gosh, I know, but I, <laughs> my daughter had her orchestra concert last night and we didn't get home until late and you can appreciate oh, yes. anybody who's a mom gets it. You're juggling yep. all the things. And so I totally forgot. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's so funny though. That'll, that, yeah. I need a prop. I need a, I definitely need yes. a, a, a crown prop. So yes, well, tell do. us a little bit about who you are just as a person. Who's Aaron? Oh my gosh. Well, I am a, a, a mom. I'm a wife first and foremost. That's my uh, what fills me with the most joy. I uh, actually grew up in a small town in Southern Idaho. I was born in Florida, but then my family moved to Idaho when I was a young girl. And um, I have always had kind of a heart for serving others. And, um, but also like talking about good things. And so Hence the reason that I guess I landed in public relations, which is my background. I moved to Oklahoma in, um, well, I won't say the year because then that really dates me, but um, <laughs> for college, I, I, right? For college, I moved yes. to Oklahoma to go to Oklahoma Christian University and got a degree in public relations. And kind of the rest is history. I just, I really love um, empowering other women. I believe very strongly in us supporting one another. Um, none of us should be in competition with each other. We're all just here to, to do our very best. And I certainly believe that whether you're a, a man or a woman, quite frankly, um, and certainly try to instill those values in my children as well. Absolutely. And it was very evident. I was actually attended a conference where you spoke this year um, for women. And, and that, that was a very consistent message is like, there's enough success for all of us. There is no need for yes. this competitive, <laughs> the, the competitiveness of old age. I mean, I think you and I are right. about the same age. So yeah, it, it's definitely changing. I'm so glad to see a shift in that, in that mindset. It seems to be changing. Yep. I agree. So tell us what, uh, what was your, what were, what has your jobs looked like before you came as the executive director of Calm Waters? Okay. So like I said, I, I graduated with a degree in public relations and quite frankly, my whole goal and aspiration in terms of career was to climb the corporate ladder and to do like corporate PR. I just thought that that was super glamorous, right? Like that was the thing that I was going to do, wear a really cute outfit with adorable <laughs> heels and just like kill yeah. it in the corner office. 
Um, and so I began my career kind of down that path. I did uh, corporate marketing um, for MidFirst Bank. And then I was head of PR for an ad agency in town for a while and had a ton of amazing clients um, and loved the work that I was doing. But I didn't honestly feel super fulfilled each day. Mm-hmm. And at this particular period of my life, my husband and I were just struggling with years of infertility. Um, we were having difficulty getting pregnant. And then when I did get pregnant, I would miscarry and I lost mm-hmm. four babies um, mm-hmm. during this period of time. And I remember one particular day I was driving to the PR firm um, for work. And it was shortly after one of my many miscarriages. And I had this moment of just kind of a overwhelming sense that what I was doing was not what I was meant to do. I had, that my life was worth more and that I could be doing more for my community than what I was doing. Nothing against what I was doing. It was fine, Mm -hmm. but it just didn't fulfill me. And after having lost so many lives, I felt like I needed to make sure that my life was purposeful. And so with that, I mean, I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I just knew that I needed to do something different. And so um, there was uh, a job opportunity that opened up in an international nonprofit called World Neighbors, which is based here in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for an individual to do kind of like marketing PR work. And so um, I applied for the job. And I remember when I went in for the interview, I walked in the front door and it just felt right. Like sometimes as women, we don't trust our gut enough. And right? from that moment, I realized I need to trust my gut. And what my insights are telling me, and it told me that I was in the right place. And so uh, really, that was the big shift into nonprofit uh, very early on in my career. And I joke about it to this day that I um, jumped to the bright side. Like I really love <laughs> the nonprofit space and have learned so much about myself and about this community and how to really kind of align that business um, the business community alongside with our community service. And so uh, I worked at World Neighbors for about eight or nine years, um, honestly, during the whole time that I was having kids and then transitioned to uh, lead and manage the public relations team for Feed the Children and then um, transitioned to Sunbeam Family Services, which is also a family service organization and was uh, chief of external relations there. And then I knew that I ultimately wanted to be a CEO or an executive director, but I wanted to make sure that wherever I landed, that it was like, I was passionate about it. You know, I wanted that mission to really resonate with me and Calm Water's mission absolutely completely resonates with me. I obviously have experienced loss in my life with the loss of my babies, Mm -hmm. but then as a young child, my father died by suicide. And Mm. so I just have, like infinite amounts of empathy and um, passion for making sure that other young little errands (laughs) don't have to go through life, um, you know, struggling with all of the grief associated with loss. And so that's, that's how I got here. Wow. What a full, beautiful, succinct story. And it's just, (laughs) it's buttoned up with a beautiful bow because how, 
I mean, I, I wouldn't say ironic, irony or coincidence, but isn't it so unique how you've come full circle from that grief as yeah. a child, that grief as a young trying to be mother, and now you're serving others who are going through that same grief. I mean, your job, Absolutely. so many businesses are born out of a need, but your job as executive director was grown and born out of a need um, that you saw in yourself. Yeah. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about the infertility? I also dealt mm -hmm. with that in my life. And I know a mm -hmm. lot of uh, working um, women are dealing with that. So give us, a, give us a, a clue into how you were able to deal with that while trying to work in corporate America. I mean, nobody's coming to save us, right? Nobody knows the right. intimate details of our lives. So you know, how did you feel? I'm sure you felt very alone. And was there support out there for you at that time? How did you deal? Yeah, well, uh, first and foremost, I didn't deal with it very well, um, at least for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. Like I said, uh, I struggled with infertility for about four years. And uh, I am an Enneagram three, if anybody knows about the Enneagram. <laughs> but that means that I like to have, be in control. I don't really need I feel like I don't need people's help. I want to be able to do things. I'm strong, right? Capable. And so mm -hmm. I honestly navigated my infertility in the same mindset, which was not healthy mm -hmm. um, because I really, I, I felt ashamed that I was struggling mm -hmm. with infertility. I thought that this was somehow my fault yeah. and that I should be doing something different um, or whatever, you know, there, quite frankly, there weren't a lot of explanations as to why I was losing my babies mm -hmm. and then why I couldn't conceive for extended periods of time. And I remember there was, you know, there were periods of time where my husband and I would seek some counseling services. Honestly, it wasn't super helpful for me. What was mm. the most helpful for me, and obviously I'm a huge proponent of counseling, but it just, it, yes. didn't, it didn't work for me mm -hmm. um, or my husband. But what did help was seeking a community of other women who understood. So I became really, really close yes. with a couple of women who also had experienced years of infertility and had multiple miscarriages. And it was only because of them that I was able to get up out of bed every day and know that I can do this because yeah. I've got somebody else who gets it. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly why I'm so passionate about Calm Waters and what we do is because that's the kind of environment that we create for our families is you're not alone. There's nothing wrong with you. What you're feeling is extremely normal mm -hmm. um, and that there, there is hope and that you can lean on other people. Um, I did sink into a depression. I did because I was trying to, I was trying to do it all on my own, quite frankly. Yeah. And I was isolating myself. And, um, but thankfully because of those friendships that I was able to create and that, that small close knit community, I was able to rise out of that. Um, and, and ultimately trying to create a space for myself and my husband that um, was about more than just having a baby. Mm -hmm. If you're a, if you're a woman and you're trying to conceive, it becomes all consuming. Yes. It was like literally everything I thought about. Yes. And for our, for our poor spouses, you know, they are as empathetic <laughs> as they can be, but to some point, you know, they can only handle so much. And so, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, my husband and I, we had lots of different things that we attempted to do. We traveled to Paris and London, you know, to make memories. <laughs> we, um, we had a foreign exchange student for a period of time, like all these things that gave me purpose. Mm-hmm. like caring for and serving others and those kinds of things. And also, I mean, really that helped a tremendous amount as well. Mm, wow. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think finding the other person who's been in your shoes is everything yep. because yep. truly, like you said, no one gets it. And we think, okay, there's something wrong with me. My body is made to do this thing. The one thing my body's made to do, I can't do really. Yeah. It's right. a very lonely, lonely place. So I'm so glad you've overcome all that and now have this place for people who can come, um, and experience the, the, um, kind of experience that grief together because it's not just grief resolution right away. Right. It's a a process. It's got to be, it's a long-term process that we pour into it to ourselves on. Tell us about how Calm Waters, um, how Calm Waters works and how people can, um, can get services, how, who you're serving there. Yeah. Well, Calm Waters, uh, as you mentioned previously, is Oklahoma City's only grief center. So we're the experts when it comes to grief and loss and supporting children starting as young as age three, all the way on up to adults 103 and beyond. Mm. Uh, But we do that through three main programs. One are our uh, center-based support groups. So we provide support groups on Monday nights for those that have experienced a death, Thursday nights for those that have experienced a loss because of divorce. And Mm. so again, serving children and adults. So kiddos get divided out by age and they get to engage in um, play therapy, movement, art, uh, and really process and understand the emotions that they're feeling in their little bodies um, and learn how to cope with them in a healthy way. And then similarly, the adults get to be in a specific group dedicated to their form of loss. Uh, and again, move through curriculum that's been written by my staff um, that talks about a number of different things related to grief and loss, change and sadness and you know, talking about memories and and those kinds of things. Um, So that's our first program is here at our center. Those are nine week sessions offered every other week. Our second program is also incredibly powerful because it it seeks to meet the needs of our precious kiddos while they're at school. So we work in partnership with probably about 35 different schools, districts rather across the uh, Metro Oklahoma City area to provide free support groups to children pre-K all the way through high school. So these kiddos are identified either by their school counselor or by the parent or guardian. They enroll in the uh, support group and then they get to participate every single week. And it's a very confidential, safe, small group. And they're with other kiddos that they go to school with. And again, it creates that safe space where they're like, oh, you're going through that too? Oh, Mm. I don't feel so alone now. It's very unifying. Um, So that's our second program. And that happens at the school? It does. Yes. Which is awesome because we know that for some families, they can't make it here Mm -hmm. to our center, but their kiddos can participate, you know, during the daytime while they're at school. We actually have some, some kiddos that attend the school support group and then the family comes back to their um, support groups in the evenings, which is awesome. Then our third program is our grief counseling. So this is different than support groups in that it is one-on-one therapy. And it is, again, service services children, teens, couples, and families. 
and specifically for those that have experienced the loss because of death or divorce. Um, and we just have, I have such a phenomenal staff. I just, I can't speak highly enough of them. Um, just very, very passionate about this work and we care very deeply about our clients and we will do absolutely anything we can to get them seen as fast as possible, in part because we know that when these people pick up the phone and call us, it's usually mm-hmm. at their breaking point. It's not like, yeah. oh, we're okay. No, it's mm-hmm. like, I can't get out of bed. Yes. Kind of hopeless. Mm-hmm. And so we we really just rally um, as, as much as possible to make sure that we can meet the needs of as many people as possible. Wow. That's incredible. I, I had no idea it was taking place in this school as well. That yeah. I, so many kids are feeling so alone. One of my, my son's close friends, uh, his parents went through a divorce during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And it was like, you know, you, you don't want to make either parent mad. And, you know, I just kind of right. heard it all third party through my son, but I know his friend was really struggling and, and that's, that's such a need to, you know, it's not like a, a teenage kid to just like say, Hey man, I need right. some help or I'm struggling, you know, to be able yeah. to be in a room with similar um, people who are going through the same thing it must be really huge for them. Um, are these services based on a sliding scale or how do the clients um, pay? Yeah. So all of our support groups are completely free. We don't charge a nickel for those, which is awesome. I love That's amazing. that. Um, and uh, the, so that for the school support groups and our center support groups. Our counseling services, we have a number of different ways that people can benefit from those. So we accept insurance. Okay. Uh, we recently are certified through the Department of Mental Health. So we accept sooner care, which is very exciting. Yeah. And then we do have a sliding scale as well. So we're able to reduce the amount of a counseling session just dependent upon a person's um, income level. Wow, that's awesome. Now you talked about your team a little bit. I'm going to yes. give you the, the place to brag on them because I know probably <laughs> people who rush to you want to keep all the praise on you. And although I know that you do so much, I know at least for me, I can't do anything I do no. without my team. So brag 100%. on your team. Tell us about your team. Uh, well, we're a team of all women. Um, oh, I love we're it. We're certainly not opposed to having a male among us, but um, <laughs> it just it just hasn't worked out that way. But uh, we we are just um, I'm, I'm yeah very very proud of each and every one of them. You know, I when I hire, I hire first for character and skill second, mm-hmm. because I believe so strongly that if you can find the right person based on the values of your organization then everything else falls into place. Um, You can often teach skill. It's a a much more difficult, challenging thing to teach character. And Mm -hmm. every last one of my staff has exceptional character. They're hardworking, they're passionate, they take initiative, they're driven. Um, You know, we don't have any drama here. That's another big thing. We don't do drama. In an office full of all women, there's no drama. That is, speak into this leadership. All women, we have no (laughs) drama. And uh, there's, I ask my staff this often, you know, like, how are you feeling about the team? And, you know, because I always want to make sure, again, gut check, right? Like making Mm -hmm. sure we're on track. And uh, they always say at the end of the day, there's, we just have a culture of trust. If you have a culture of trust, there's no need for drama. You don't have to worry about what somebody else is doing because you trust 
that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing or Mm -hmm. that they believe in you as well, you know? So it's very, very trust driven, uh, lots of respect and admiration for each other. So it's a fun, fun space. You know, a lot of times when people hear that I work uh, and lead a grief agency, oftentimes they say, oh, that must be so sad. And oh, for sure, there are days where it is, it's heavy. But I say, even though our work is is heavy and deep and hard and sad, we don't have to be. And so mm-hmm. there's lots of laughter here. Uh, when clients come in the door, we're smiling and laughing with the kids. And because this needs to be a place of hope, not a place mm-hmm. of sadness and despair. That's right. I love that. Tell us a little bit about how you've built that team. I know, I mean, the the big talk across, at least here, and I'm sure across the entire United States is we can't find help. We can't find help. Um, Tell us about how that culture has played into finding help. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That is a tough question. You know, you do have to, as a leader, sometimes we have a tendency to just settle because we need a warm body, mm-hmm, right? Right. And I'm a firm believer in never settling. You mm-hmm. know, we can always figure out another way to make it work until we find the right fit. You know, in our case, we have struggled a little bit to find therapists. There is a tremendous shortage of mental health professionals in our community. Yes. And because our grief counseling services are just booming and that program is growing exponentially, we have a continued need to add more therapists. Mm-hmm. but um, we, you know, we work, we try to work very closely in partnership with other agencies and identify other individuals who could be potential fits. Sometimes we have to rethink and re-strategize the kind of mm-hmm. person that we need without sacrificing, obviously, cultural fit, character, and those kinds of things. Um, but I think what I've learned over time is don't settle like hang on as long as you can, because it, it will cost you more financially, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll cost you culturally as well. If you hire wrong. Um, yes. and I've hired wrong. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm, I have, you sure. think, you know, you know, you think you've, you've, you know, marked off all the boxes, but sometimes yeah. people don't end up the way that you anticipated or the way that they had maybe conveyed, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's just, they're just not on the right bus, right? Yeah, so they yeah. can be the right person, nothing wrong with them, just not the right fit for this particular bus. So I always say right person, mm-hmm. wrong bus, you know? I love that. Um, yeah. Get on this yeah, bus. So, so how have bus. you, what's some of, what are some of the ways, or maybe have you come up with some unique ways of identifying that cultural fit or that, um, that the mindset that you need in that person, even if the skill isn't there, um, is there a way that during your interview process or your, um, or Mm. your application process that you, that you use to identify that's the right person? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it is again, gut, you know, Mm -hmm. I would say like you can send certain things from people, but, um, one of the things that I do is I bring, um, candidates in, in different settings. So say, for instance, Mm -hmm. it might be the first interview is in my office with one or two staff. The second interview, if we like them, the second interview might be in a coffee shop so that we can experience like, how do they treat wait staff? Are they, you know, do they open the door for people? You know what I'm saying? Like those Mm -hmm. little character things that can make Mm -hmm. a really big difference. 
-hmm. So just observing those kinds of mannerisms um, and character traits. And then um, we, we always ask the question, what is one misperception people have about you? Mm. And it, this almost always stumps everyone. They're like, I have never been asked this before, but it's very <laughs> enlightening and honestly does reveal quite a bit about people. Um, and so I, I really enjoy that question. I think it's fun. Wow. That, that, I bet you've gotten some interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> answers to that one. I had yes. a, a mentor tell me one day or say in a, in a, um, a class he was teaching us said, um, it's not what I think about me that matters. It's not what you think about me that matters. It's what I think you think about me that matters. And so those things that, you know, those misconceptions that we think others think is very telling sometimes. It Um, is. And, you know, as a leader, especially, but I think anybody, but particularly leaders, we really truly have to be pretty mm self-aware. And I mean, it's taken me a little bit, (laughs) you know, it takes some trial and error and some failures along the way to figure out who you are and maybe what your, your hiccups are. Um, or the things that you do well and the things maybe that you don't do well and how to enhance those. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll joke all the time about the things that I'm like, I'm super self-aware. I know that I do this and I apologize in advance, you know? Yes. Um, but I do think that that's a, a sign of emotional intelligence too, mm-hmm. is making sure that you are aware um, of what's going on within you. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're in a good place because if I'm in a bad place emotionally, mentally, even physically, I'm literally no good to my staff. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what I've experienced in prior um, environments is if my leader has not been in a good place, then they push that crap down on, mm-hmm. on me or on other staff, mm-hmm. and probably not even realizing they're doing it. And that is what affects culture. Yes, um, yes. And so I am really strict and boundaried about making sure that I'm in a good place mentally and emotionally doesn't mean I always am, but I make sure that I'm doing what I can to Mm -hmm. be because I need to be present and available for my staff because that will ensure that our culture remains healthy, viable, and successful. Absolutely. And going back to what you said about trust, if if you have that mindset already and you're so self-aware and you have a team that trusts you, then that opens the door for them to be able to come to you and say, Aaron, I'm having this problem, or I see this struggle, or maybe even, you know, asking for feedback on ourselves is one of the hardest things I've had to learn as a business owner is to say, no, really give me the feedback, give me the honest feedback, the truth. And when you have that trust and that culture of trust and open door truly, um, for communication, then that really does solidify, um, your team and their trust in you and your trust in them. Right. Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. And it is an honor when my staff come to me and want to talk about things other than work. Yeah. And I think that that is something that I learned very early on is that I want every person who works for me or with me to feel valued beyond just the role that they play here at Calm Waters or wherever yes. I happen to be leading, mm-hmm. because we are not just, uh, you know, a a professional, right? Like I also, I led off this podcast with, I'm a mom and a wife, like one or two. It wasn't, I'm a CEO or an executive director. It's those Mm -hmm. other things. And so 
Um, same with all of my staff. I know the names of their dogs, their kids, their spouses, their partners, their, you know, like yes. I know what matters to them. And mm-hmm. um, because our lives are so blended, there's no such thing as just work and then you go home to no, this other place. No. You know what I mean? Like it's there's very, no balance. very blended. It's yeah. just one whole life. And I, I actually gave a talk a, a while back at More Norman about recruiting in this digital age and talking about not just our staff as this is our receptionist and she answers the phone and has a smiling face, but guess what? She also is a mother. She also loves to crochet. She also is, she has 10 goats and 15 chickens. And we talk (laughs) about that publicly on our social media pages everywhere, because then that allows our audience to understand that we love our humans. We don't just love our secretary or our administrative staff. We love April, who answers the phone, who crochets, who is an amazing human being. And that, you know, that shows your culture to the public and then helps with that recruitment because I am so, I don't know about you. I am so over people pretending to not be humans and pretending that there's not a 192 pound dog right here laying on the floor (laughs) behind me, or, you know, maybe a kid in a lap on a zoom meeting. We are human beings. We're pretending to not be, you know, that's the beauty in this life is that we are humans. And honestly, you know, if I were super vulnerable, I would say that early on in my career, I thought that I had to portray as though I had it all together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I struggled so much with my infertility was because I was like, I can't let anybody know yes. that I'm struggling. You know, I yes. got to put on the face mm-hmm. and then go home and cry myself to sleep. Yeah. How tragic is that? Yeah. Oh, But absolutely. how many people are doing that today? Yes. Too many. I would venture, I guess, a lot. Too dang many. Too dang many. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, none of us have it all together, Mm y'all. We don't. Mm -mm. No, no, it's my, I have taken it like this year has just been, and I think it's going to carry into 2023. Like I, I get this word authenticity, transparency. It's been thrown around a lot. But to truly show yourself to um, to the community and to those people that you're serving as someone who isn't perfect, who says, you know what, it looks like I have all this stuff together, but raising your hand and saying, you know what, me too. I used to weigh 300 pounds. I had a real problem with alcohol in the past. You know, I have been through major grief to be that person that says, me too. I struggled with infertility or you know, yeah. I have been very directly affected by suicide. All of these shameful things that you feel so shameful or that we thought was shameful. Right. The other people that are in it right now are depending on us to stand up and raise our hand and say, me too. And guess what? There's life on the other side of this crap for you too. It, right. It's completely possible. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, we all need permission to be who we are meant to be. Right. And Mm -hmm. if I'm okay to stand up and say, yes, I experienced depression. And in fact, I currently take depression medicine because Mm -hmm. that's how I am able to still do life. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That then gives somebody else permission to say, oh, then it's okay. It's okay for me to also take, you know, anxiety or depression medicine, whatever, whatever it is, right? Yeah, whatever it is. We, we need to be giving each other permission and ourselves permission yes. to do what ensures that we're healthy and in a good place. Yes, 100%. I could not agree more. Um, 
wow, I, I feel speechless after that. That was awesome. <laughs> it's just so true. Um, so tell us a little bit about maybe one of your favorite calm water stories. Oh my gosh. Wow. I feel like I have so many, but we had um, a little boy that came to us. Oh, I would say a couple of years ago, we host uh, a camp, an art therapy camp every summer called Camp Courage. It's incredibly special. We love it. We have about 50 kiddos that come and um, we invite in volunteer artists to come in and teach these kids a new art skill, literally everything like painting and sketching and poetry and dancing and yoga and music and you name it, right? I love it. Because there's so much research that shows how therapeutic art can be in your grief journey. So a couple years ago at Camp Courage, we had a sweet little boy who came in and his daddy had died by suicide. Well, this little guy came in and he, his mom had enrolled him in, in the camp. And I walked into one of the sessions and the, the artist was up teaching like some kind of like, here's what you're going to paint. Well, this little guy was sitting, seated in the corner in a chair, just like slumped over head down and was just despondent. And I bent down and I, hey bud, what's your name? And tried to talk to him, would not talk to me, wouldn't communicate, wouldn't open his eyes, look up, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I brought in one of our therapists and um, she came in and she was able to like, you know, kind of soothe him a little bit, got him to a safe space. Long story short, we began serving him and his precious mom. They began attending our support groups. And initially that little guy told his mom, I don't want to go to those support groups. I don't, nobody knows about dad. I don't want to talk about dad. I, I I just can't. Mm -hmm. And she said, let's just give it two times. Let's go two times and let's see. And this Mm -hmm. is after Camp Courage. And after the very first night of support group, he came bounding down the hallway to his mom and said, mom, I told everyone about my daddy. I told them his name. And she started crying. She was like, babe. Yeah. Oh, just the sweetest experience for the poor family. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> me too it's okay we can edit if we have to <laughs> and that little guy and his mama are the biggest advocates for our program because of mm-hmm. it and the mom whose name is amber she said Aaron, i am not exaggerating when i tell you that you and calm waters literally saved our lives wow. she said we used to sit in the living room he my, my son would sit on one side, I would sit on the other, and we never spoke. He was 10, with the whole entire life ahead of him. Wow. And mom and son couldn't even talk because they just were so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So now wow. that sweet boy is an advocate for suicide prevention. He like talks about calm waters all the time. He comes into our offices and is just like the happiest kid, not that despondent young boy that couldn't talk. Wow. Just amazing wow from not talking talking to advocacy for the program is a that's a pretty amazing story right wow yeah wow that's incredible I can't imagine the the um the after effects too just like not just that mom and son but everyone around them that has been affected due to that absolutely 
Mm, wow. Well, I can't believe this time is already almost coming to a close. I feel like I had a million other things I wanted to talk <laughs> about with you. Um, uh, thank you so much for sharing um, it, just this tiny portion of your story and, and Calm Waters mission. It's, it's truly incredible to see, um, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits out there doing a lot of good work, but the Absolutely. fact that there wasn't a grief you know, a center because there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of divorce yeah. and a lot of death going on. And, and it, it's a very unique, um, set of skills that it takes to walk a 10 year old non-communicative child from one point A to point B. Um, right. and I'm so grateful that your amazing queen staff of women <laughs> is, is serving that, um, that need tell our, tell the listeners how they can uh, get in contact with you or call waters if they have a need, um, or want to connect with you. Yeah, well, we would love to serve anyone that has a need, uh, would love to be that hope, um, for them, but first and foremost, visit our website, calmwaters.org. It's a really great way to learn more about our programs and to register, um, that is, I mean, obviously anybody can call us and we're happy to walk through our programs with them. But um, the first step truly is to register on our website and uh, follow us on social media. We have a lot of amazing things going on, resources, um, particularly like during the holidays. We know that mm -hmm. the holidays is a very difficult time for a lot of families. And so we like to convey and promote messages that are supportive and understanding of families that are just struggling right now or anytime throughout the year. Mm -hmm. um, so follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as well. And then follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I would, uh, I would love to engage with anybody that would like to learn more about me, my story and calm waters. Absolutely. And if you are out there and you're not experiencing grief and you have deep pockets or shallow pockets, we'll take five bucks a month, man. Get Yay. over to calmwaters.org and hit that <laughs> donate button because this mission does not happen without generous, generous donors. And I know the people of Oklahoma are, um, are very generous, but we're, yes. our listenership is across the, uh, across the nation and the globe. So, uh, if you have experienced this type of grief and you want to give back to a very purposeful group of ladies and maybe one day men in here in the yeah, Oklahoma maybe. city area, <laughs> go over to callmaters.org and find Aaron, Aaron Inglekey on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for being our guest and for being a true queen leader. Thank you, Amy. You're awesome.